Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Parrington, and Mookie is lurking around here. Uh, ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and actually... We're kind of done with Twitter. You can keep up with us on Instagram at Comedy Wham, and we've even got a TikTok page. What? That's crazy. And also we're on uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, in addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our advice column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy. We've got a festivals page and our FPIA page where you can keep up with all of the historical contest information. And we just launched a web page redesign, so uh, check it out. Of course, we're best known for our events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. That should have all been read at once. Tag us on your Instagram stories, and we will share your show promo. Looking for ways to support all these resources that we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Search for Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out our subscriber perks. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, we are bringing back one of the great storyteller comics that I know here in Austin. He co-hosted a dearly departed but very hilarious uh, podcast called Starring Ryan Gosling with my pal Derek Copswa. And uh, they, they were even foolish enough to let me in on, on that podcast as a guest. You've seen him on all the showcases around town. He's also the host of Critical Hit, a dice-based choose-your-own-adventure show. Wink, wink. Uh, we last talked to him in 2019, and he is here to talk about many exciting things, but there is one record-breaking thing that he plans to talk to us about today. And now Comedy Wham presents our returning guest, Evan Rabelais. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Good. Everything okay? Yeah. Not a, okay. All right. Yeah, I was just tagging you guys on an Instagram story. That's oh my gosh, how exciting. <laughs> Live. That's right. <laughs> I got you calling me the uh, one of the greatest storytelling comedians you know. Oh, nice. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I wouldn't even call myself that, but I love I love the ego boost. <laughs> of course, and the mug that is, yep. you know, the mug that you've only given me and <laughs> no one right. else. It says best period comedian period ever. That's right. Period. <laughs> Welcome back, Evan. Hi. It's been a it's been a minute. It has been. It has been. Yeah, it it, it was pre-pandemic. Mhm. And uh, th- we we did the podcast, and then everything got worse everywhere. <laughs> everything, <laughs> like God punished me for doing this podcast. <laughs> oh well, and you know you're very gracious, but I really think it was probably uh, God punished us for me doing yours and Derek's podcast. That's fair. That was much weirder. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that podcast. I missed that podcast. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, it was a great excuse to watch a bunch of movies I've never seen before, yeah. and just. Be the dumb. It's this. It was the dumbest premise. Uh, you can still listen to it. It's on yeah. Spotify still. You can you can awesome. go back and listen to the backlog. But yeah, um, yeah I've, I've I've thought about trying to bring it back. But me and Derek just were like, oh, it's so tiring to do that podcast. <laughs> we just were like, no, we don't want to do it. Also, during the pandemic, we didn't do it over Zoom. It just sucked. Yeah, yeah. It really sucked the energy out of it and the passion. So right, right. But who knows? Now that Fallout's got a podcast studio, That's maybe right. we'll, maybe I'll start a new one or something. There you go. Yeah, I actually recorded an episode of. Uh, in their podcast studio recently How is it? and it's nice it's really really nice yeah garrett did a great job with that mm-hmm. and, yeah. his, and his buddies yep yep indeed uh speaking of fallout since this episode is coming out uh next week we're recording uh the 29th of mm-hmm. january uh i know it's too late now but you can at least read the digital edition of the uh, article that i wrote uh, f- about the fallout theater yeah the uh, austin chronicle <laughs> yeah that uh, little piece rag that you didn't mention critical hit in <laughs> I noticed. Oh, I noticed man. that, Val. Oh, man. Excuse <laughs> me turning. Don't really record me turning, you know, red, bright red. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a good piece. I read it. It was very interesting. Uh, I like the, the vibe of how it's just, you know, Fallout is a, is a community-run space, and yeah. I think that that's the biggest benefit for it, and I think you really captured that 
energy very well. Like this is us just doing a thing yeah. and giving each other a space to perform and yeah. do what we want to do. Yeah. And I think that's that's the brilliance of uh, Fallout. It's like, you know, all the good and the bad of, of running a community theater. Um, but as you said in the, the byline, trust is the vibe. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of how it is. Like, yeah. Everyone's just like, we're in it together. Let's figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for those kind words. Absolutely. All right. Well, enough about me. <laughs> um besides the global pandemic that shut everything down Mm -hmm. uh what has has your life been consumed by since then oh it has been consumed by a lot i i I got my life really uh flipped during the pandemic during the lockdown Uh, a lot of things changed um i moved in with some comics moved out with some (laughs) of the house (laughs) of some comics uh i moved in my my girlfriend who i you know, that's been wonderful, uh, combining our households and all of our dogs and <laughs> uh, getting that taken care of. I'm, I'm changing jobs. I'm just trying to get Gosh, everything figured out. I, I really stepped away from stand-up a little bit. I haven't put, like, the grind in as yeah. much as I did pre-pandemic. Uh, I think because I realized I was, like, really taking it too hard. Mm. I was doing a lot of work. And I've probably swung too far the other way. I haven't been doing open mics nearly as often as I should. I haven't, I haven't like, reached out to try and do a ton of showcases. Um and so, like, I, I've kind of, like, probably swung too hard on that end, but I think I needed to take a step back from it a little bit and just kind of, like, refocus sure. on my priorities. And now that I'm getting back in and trying to do shows here and there, I've just been focusing more on, like, being more what I am as a person on stage as opposed to, like, I was really heavy on like, trying to just write the, the best jokes. And I still want to write the best jokes, but... Now I'm more focused on, like, what is my opinion on things mm. and what's my perspective and who am I as a person? Yeah. And how can I best portray that? And that's why, like, I mean, you saw me at Sure Thing a few weeks ago, and um, that show I ended with my set with like a five minute story, mm-hmm. and it was like only the second time I've told that story on stage. Wow! Uh, and it's just more like I'm like, what's interesting to me, and what's you know, what is there about me that I think would be worth listening to? And okay, I have a few long form stories that I'd like to try and get out there and mm-hmm. really figure out how to make them as funny as can be and also as true to myself as can be. And that's really what I've been focusing on a lot lately is just what's my passion? How can I convey that on stage? What are the other things I can do to do those things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, I, I just want to get really deeply philosophical with you because I know that when we talked in 2019, I think it hadn't been too long before we talked that I realized like your backstory has a lot of losses mm-hmm. in it, and Absolutely. You're, you're you're open. Well, then I don't, you know, I don't know if things I'm still have quite changed. open about things. Yeah, yeah, you're very open about it, and I wonder if part of that pivot is like those things may have defined you and were part of your story, but now it's time for Evan to like be Evan, independent of those things that have defined you in the past. Oh, sure. Um, that's probably a lot to do with it, as well as even though those things had defined me and the way I kind of created stuff and the way I was very open about it, and mm-hmm. just, I wasn't really utilizing them. Yeah. And I think now it's more about utilizing those stories and those lessons in the actual comedy itself, yeah. as opposed to just being like, yeah, I've lost a bunch of people in my life and all this crazy shit happened to me. And because of that, I can write a great joke about 9-11. And it's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because of that, I can actually write from the perspective of having lost a lot of things, but still keeping a, like a, a, a funny tone about it. Yeah. Because as someone who lost a bunch of stuff, I remember what it was like to laugh through those things. And I can maybe try and bring that same kind of energy into these topics. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's using those same lessons in a different way, yeah. I think. Yeah. I have gotten a recent really strong appreciation for the storyteller comic. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the name Johnny Taylor, mm-hmm. who comes through Austin every once in a while. And you know, I, Great guy. I caught him recently. And, like, you know, it's, yes, there's talent to writing a really strong one-liner or the strong setup punchline joke. But to tell a story and weave in humor, that... I like you can't easily do that at a mic where mm-hmm. you're given two That's, minute sets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at open mics right now, I would just I'm really just focusing on like 
just some short ideas mm-hmm. like you know i'm angry because i work retail and it's like the the quick joke is like that yeah. and then uh stories like the hard part is you do have to basically work on them at these good shows like sure thing's a good show yeah you want to do well at sure thing uh, and I'm risking five minutes of my <laughs> ten minute set yeah. with this long form story that I've told twice, and you just gotta trust that, like, you know, I'm funny. Mm-hmm. I've told this story to people, and they've liked it. They've thought it was funny. I just have to trust that the way I've told it to people, I maybe want to punch it up a little bit here and there, but the way I've told it is funny, and people like it. So mm-hmm. I can just follow that instinct. You know who I think is one of the best storytellers in town is, is George Anthony. Yes, George. I mean. I, so I do I do the show Critical Hit, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, and uh, it's currently a, a, like a tabletop role playing game comedy show. But it was a stand up show for like a couple months when I first started the, the the show, and George did one, and there was no one there. There was like four people. <laughs> oh. It was it was a bomb show. Ugh. But George goes in, and he's like, you know what, fuck it, and he just spends his whole set telling this insane story about his brother, and it was just hilarious and like the fact that these four people in the crowd like were there and they appreciated it they loved mm-hmm. it and he still gave them something entertaining and even though it's like i just really gained an appreciation for george and the art form uh of storytelling i think around that time where it's just like wow this is really higher higher level i think than than what i'm currently doing mm. and that's really what it um boils down to i think yeah. is just trying to take myself to a level i think i can go to yeah yeah Hmm. Okay, so Critical Hit is uh, something that you've you've been running the show before COVID. I don't remember when that launched. Yeah, it, I think the first stand-up show was in 2019, and then huh. that lasted for maybe a few months mm-hmm. uh, And before I moved over to Spider House, and it became a, D- a D&D show, essentially. Um, and then that moved over to Fallout, and it's been there since. And then I did it like one or two Zoom shows, but I really that, that show did not work over Zoom for me. <laughs> So I really, I took essentially like a year and a half, two years yeah. off, uh, during the pandemic and we've come back and it's been great. Um, post pandemic or post lockdown during the pandemic, uh, the crowds have been like just steadily growing more and more. Um, I've actually been doing less and less promotion each month oh, and people still keep, I'm like, nice. look, if you keep showing up, I'm going to keep not working hard again, <laughs> people out there. Well, the, the more you guys keep showing up, the, the less I try. So please it's so give, twisted. give me some sweat, please. Um, but it's been a really fun, creatively fulfilling aspect. I mean, all I want to do with the stuff I do is make it better each time. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to find like, different ways to make the show better. I'm always trying to like find ways to add, like, um, depending on who's working in the booth at Fallout, like you get some interaction with them going, uh, I'll try and bring more props and more just options and just try and be as visually stimulating as possible yeah. during the show as well to keep people engaged. And I'm always looking for those improvements, and it's it's, it's a long process with a show like this because you seem to have like just an hour um, to work on it, and then it's gone for a month, and then you're like, well, maybe I'll try this next month, and yeah. then you have to wait 30 days before you can try this new thing you thought of. Yeah. So it's a challenge in that in that aspect, but yeah, I'm I'm just looking to try to always make those things that I do better. Yeah, the I've seen it a couple of times live. I admit I was one of the Zoom watchers mm-hmm. because you know when you're stuck. One, one and of the you want seven. Inter- yeah, one, one of the seven, seven people that were 7, watching. 7,000, the- Evan. Oh, 7, sure, yeah, yeah. I can also lie on a podcast. <laughs> uh, you have three guests, mm-hmm. and you do the the dice, and then you go through through an adventure, and you're you're the uh, the the dungeon the master, guide. as it were. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the dungeon master. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I, I like hearing the idea that you're you're doing you're incorporating props you're in, incorporating some some tech booth mm-hmm. uh, fun so that is that is pretty cool yeah and then with D and D's whole legal issue right now that's going on with Wizards of the Coast and their licensing agreements I'm like I'm I'm actually going to start going to the audience and be like what other games do you guys like because <laughs> I might just do a critical hit version of those games instead oh. because D and D is getting a little stale for huh. me even like. It's 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 a difficult show because like if you watch Dungeons and Dragons content online, yeah, it's all very long form. We're talking like hour long live streams, uh, long running web series that have spanned you know decades at this point. And Dungeons and Dragons itself is a game that when I play, I allot four hours of my day to sure. that game. 
So to condense that experience into a what essentially becomes a 45 minute mm-hmm. game because you do like a little intro to the audience and introduce the comedians and then by that point you got like 10 15 minutes into the show it's a 45 minute game essentially and the hard part is getting a D&D experience uh without being <clears throat> too basic it's not just goblins it's not just orcs or bandits because that's boring you can do it every now and then but like uh-huh. whatever but then also you don't want to go too high concept and like go like you're fighting a red dragon because like those things take literal years to get to in the game mm. and you can't just drop three comedians as level 20 adventurers in D&D to fight a dragon cuz that's just, that's just at that point the game and that's not very funny so you got to give like you got to make them low enough level to where things are threats but high enough level to where they can do interesting things but also make sure that they can do like just fun interactions with things and have creative ways. It's a very delicate line to yeah. toe. And it sounds almost a little pretentious with how, how much work I put into it, but like it really is difficult to find that balance of this is a fun like experience that gives you the D&D atmosphere without it being just a long example of people doing math on stage <laughs> and without it being like too easy or too hard because mm-hmm. you don't yeah if you're level one you can't fight you know a, a, a vampire but if you're level 10 you can't fight a goblin so it's like where do you where do you where do you find it so it uh, yeah yeah it, it consumes a lot of my brain power yeah it <laughs> sounds like it and i'm curious if you ever talk to your audience like when i've gone to the show and to this day, I have no knowledge of mm-hmm. D&D. I, you know, all I, my that's D&D... the other thing. I try to make it very accessible to non-D&D fans. Like, yeah. I have a lot of D&D fans that love the show uh-huh. because like, I also am very clear at the beginning where I'm like, hey, if you guys love D&D and you're a stickler for the rules, don't fucking say anything. Oh. <laughs> I, I twist and bend the rules. I basically just use D&D as a description. Yeah. Like, what does that spell do? Here's how it's described in D&D, and I'll just figure out how powerful it is or is not yeah. in the game. So it's, I, I don't really follow a rule book or anything like mm-hmm. that. And I can't because, again, with the legal issues, I want to make it as distanced from D&D as sure. possible because I'm not playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm playing a game that has that skin on it. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. But I make it as, as, as beginner friendly as possible. None of the comics ever fucking know how to play D&D. <laughs> <laughs> I, and when I have comedians who have experience yeah. playing it, it's almost like a hindrance. They get in their own head. <laughs> They get in their own way with D&D knowledge, and they're like, well, I can't do it. But yes, you fucking just say you want to do it, and we'll figure out if you can or not. <laughs> you're, you're a comic. You, yeah. It's all pretend on stage. And they're anyway, like, so. uh, can I do this? I'm like, do you want to? <laughs> just say you want to do that, and then we'll try it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, of, one of the uh, perks or downfalls, whatever, you know however you want to describe it, to mm-hmm. having a, a teenage son is uh, on occasion I am forced to go to Austin Comics. And I, if you know that little shopping center, there's mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know the name of it, but I know that around the corner there's a, a store or shop that has all sorts of games. Yeah. So I do love the idea that you could take you know, a critical hit and maybe twist it for another, another I, type I've, of I've, game. I've considered the Star Wars RPG... Uh, I almost did that for Star Wars Day last year since it was on May 4th. Ah. Uh, but I just, what I end up doing is I just take like, uh, I steal a lot of ideas from pop culture. <laughs> and basically whatever holiday is coming up or whatever big event, like if it's Christmas around the corner, I will somehow find a way to incorporate Santa Claus into the story. If it's Thanksgiving, oh look, the village is having their annual feast, things like that. Yeah. So yeah, Star Wars Day, I just like took a Star Wars story and was like, yeah, Here's what's happening, basically. Like you all know what's happening here. Let's just go with it yeah. and make jokes. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so uh, critical hit, and mm-hmm. you're you're getting back on on stages more regularly, or trying to, feeling, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, I got, I'm, the landscape I'm doing, uh, has changed a bit in Austin. That's part of the issue. Like I don't know where open mics are now. I don't want to ask people, and I don't want to just go around embarrassed. Like I had to sign up by email in advance. Ugh, I hate signing up in advance. <laughs> like, I hate signing up for open mics a week in advance because, like, I don't even fucking know if I want to go to that open mic. I have, for 10 years, I've been doing comedy. Uh-huh. Every time I've ever done an open mic was because an hour before it started, I went, You decided to. No, I can go to that open mic. I can go to that, sure. Why not? 
Well, Ivan, I don't know if you know, but uh, Comedy Wham has an events page that lists. I know. <laughs> I know. And I've looked at it, and then I get overwhelmed. Oh. I don't know who these people are or where oh. these places are. Well, but your friends are, you know, they know the, the, the good ones yeah. to go to. Yeah. And, and I, there I, are some good ones There are a couple there. ones. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a live at Cold Town uh next month and i'll nice. be sure to check that out I'm, i know they have the sunday mic now mm-hmm. that i'm gonna try and check that out and kick butt still going strong i still hit that one up yeah. every now and then yeah. i still love kick butt and uh fallout has a monday mic I think. yeah yeah garrett does something there and yeah you know I, I i try and keep an eye out for things to go to and stuff like that but yeah i'm trying to be more regular about going out and seeing people and reminding them that I exist yeah <laughs> that's the hard part about comedy is, is like tough. hey i exist right book me <laughs> yeah yeah, it's uh, out of sight, out of mind. Absolutely, easily. it's yeah. very easy to get out of mind in this, and mm-hmm. like, because there's people who I've known for literal years. I'm like, who can I book? Who can I book? And they're like, oh, I've known. I ran a podcast with Derek. Of course, I can book Derek. <laughs> I forgot he existed for a minute. <laughs> well, and Derek runs a showcase, so you got to hit him up. Uh, yeah, I did several. I, I did the one at Fallout. I still haven't done the one at uh, Pinballs yet. Derek. Oh boy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I love Derek. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just trying to stay out there and be more regular yeah. than I have been the last year. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a de- definitely a different scene. But what I'm finding, observing, is it's kind of leveling out now. So that all of the great producers before uh, COVID shut down are are back, and they have their their venues. You know, some of them that had long running shows like Buzz Mill mm-hmm. or Buzzkill are you know still going strong. So it's you know, yeah. You, now it's the balance of well, I, I have my my old favorites, mm-hmm. and then you know just finding with with the new venues. Yeah, exactly. Just finding out where the people I like go to and going yeah. there, yeah. essentially. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. Um, do do we want to get into anything else, or are we ready to just like go in full tilt on on this? Little tiny project that yeah. you've tackled. Yeah, let's just get into that. I'm working on a small thing that, you know, it's a, it's a little project that, you know, it's It's fine. six hours? No. Is it nine hours? It's not. It's, that's neither. It's 90, 96 hours. 96 hours. I'm, I'm producing a comedy show that, I mean, it's four days long. So it's, I, I call it a festival, but it's essentially just one long show uh, that's 96 hours long. In an attempt to break the world record for world's longest comedy show. Wow. Okay. Uh, first of all, why? Uh, so two reasons. First of all, I actually performed on the festival in Nashville that currently holds the record. Yeah. Uh, I performed on theirs in 2016, and it was a lot of fun. It's very overwhelming, but like if you enjoy being around comics all day, every day, and just doing weird shit at all hours of the day. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Huh. It was, it was just, I, I showed up in Nashville. I drove from, that's when I still live in Baton Rouge. I drove from Baton Rouge to Nashville, got there at like three in the morning. And when I got there, they go, oh, you want to go on stage now? Cause like, cause yeah, like <laughs> they, they, needed they, they needed it. Yeah. Like, oh, like yeah, the 3am spot dropped out. You want to do an hour right now? And so I just did an hour at three in the morning, which was essentially just me having my notebook in hand and just running through it and going, is this funny? Is this funny? Because it's just you and like 10 other comics in the room. Mm-hmm. You're essentially doing an hour long open mic, which was honestly greatly beneficial. I got to work on a lot of jokes during that hour. <laughs> there you go. Um, it really is the kind of thing where I think I grew more in the three days I was there doing, I did, I did like three sets on, huh. on the festival itself. Uh, I I had like more I did, I was more productive during those three sets than I had been the last like three months prior to that because there is so much work involved and there's so uh, much opportunity to, to to do whatever you need to do at those weird hours like three in the morning which you normally wouldn't be able to do anything but talk to the mirror at three in the morning sure and now at least I can get some feedback from these comics who are here and, and like hey do you guys have any tags for this? You know, like that's what we did. One guy was just bored. He called a, a sex hotline on a uh, expired credit card. Uh, and that was like 15 minutes of his set was oh just talking gosh. to them on the, on speakerphone. It just got weird, you know? And I performed on that and I had a lot of fun and I thought this would be fun to do all the time. It's just like make this an annual thing. And then they, unfortunately um, they ceased doing that. Mm. And I thought even back then, you know, six years ago, essentially, uh, you know, that'd be fun to try doing that. 
but I kind of set that aside um, for a long time. And then, yeah, 2020 pre-pandemic, like January, February 2020, I was talking to some friends and like it just came up like I've had this idea and they were like, we, we should do that. Huh. We should try that. And um, it kind of like reignited like, okay, that's something that we could really try and do. And um, I, I, the more I thought about it, the more like, you know, I don't think I'm the greatest comic in the world or, or even the city. I think I'm good. I think I'm, you know, I'll, I can be on any show and be fine. But like, I don't think I'm like the world killer, you know? Mm. I'm not like the first person people think of and think, who's a great comic? Oh, Evan, you know, I, I understand my, my limits and my, my, my level. Uh, but what I do think I'm good at is uh, putting together a good show. I think I'm really, really good at putting a lineup together figuring out like what times work best, like figuring out the math of if you do this much time, we have this much time and you can do this with the production side of it. And this is kind of the ultimate test of being a producer Yeah, is putting together a lineup of, I did the math. There needs to be at least 150 comedians. Wow. Ideally we're looking at 200, um, because there can be repeats, but, uh, ideally you want as many people as possible participating and it's organizing that many comedians with that many sets and that many set times and that much, uh, you know, like organization is difficult. And I'm like, that's, but it excites me. It's like really trying to organize a show like that, like really tickles my brain in a, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, not only that, but I get to throw myself on stage for an hour at weird times and really work on things that I want to work on that I normally wouldn't be able to because, well, we have to fill 96 of these hours. So let me do 30 minutes at four in the afternoon, just trying to figure out this long form story, you know, and a lot of comics like that doing that kind of stuff. And I wanted to do this because it's weird. It's interesting. It, it's fun for me to try and think of the the math of this production mm-hmm. and on top of all that like at the end of the day if it's successful my name's in the guinness world record book like that's cool that's yeah. a cool little thing <laughs> um there's a lot of challenges it's been really frustrating at times trying to put this together it's been really stressful trying to uh get people to submit because like the, the, the hard part is i can't just ask people to be on it that would be easy mm. i could ask 100 comics and they'd all say yes uh if they want to be on this show but I literally can't just do that because the Guinness World Record people are very, very strict. They sent when I when I applied for the record and they got it got approved. I got a thirty-page PDF uh, just talking about how I need to submit the evidence wow. after it's over, and I have several pages on the guidelines of who qualifies as being of a sufficient standard for the comedians to to perform. So they have a lot of questions. Like uh, I have a submission form link in my bio on all social media platforms uh, that it's a Google doc essentially that you fill out. Mm -hmm. um, And there's things like, can you please list your 20 most recent paid gigs, which is, I I hate to, I don't want to do that, but I have to because that's what Guinness says. You have to have a sufficient standard. You have to have at least 20 paid gigs and at least one year's experience from your first paid gig. So, like, if you don't have those qualifications, you can't be on the festival because Guinness will not recognize you as of a sufficient standard. And that's not on me because I know some great comedians who are, you know, young. Like, there's a there's times where, like, man, you're only six months in? That's crazy. You want to do my showcase? That happens all the time. It's, like, part of growing as a comedian. But the unfortunate thing is when you have something like the Guinness World Record people saying – this are this is the standard like you have to follow it because they won't recognize the record attempt if if anyone falls below that so the difficult thing is i can't just ask people what do you want to do it even though i know they qualify Mm -hmm. i have to literally have them submit with this form because i also have to take those forms that they submit and compile them as evidence for guinness so it's it's a it's difficult to, (laughs) to try and work so you liked all the math and the programming and trying to do that, but you had yeah. you didn't realize the amount of paperwork. You oh, I realized it. I was just hoping that I could say, "Hey, everyone, please submit," and every single person I know goes, "You got it," yeah. but they don't. Yeah, I <laughs> they mean, don't do comics that. as a rule to get them to do paperwork, and you I know, will have to message every single comic that I know. I'm like, please fill this form out so that I can ask you to be on my show. Please. <laughs> I don't want to do that. 
Please just submit. Just submit. Just just, just submit. find the link. It's in my page. Just just submit, guys. I want you on the show. Yeah. Well, I you know for for a, a brief period of time, I I was a, a producer of a show, mm-hmm. and I uh, I cannot even imagine trying to do ninety six hours of coordination when you know that the reality is five minutes. Delay mm-hmm. slips in. So Ten minutes delay. I've actually already started doing the like just you know without names of comics. Mm-hmm. I've actually started like laying out set times. And one of the things that I figured out I can do is I'm basically blocking it out. So from midnight to noon, the show's gonna be free. Mm-hmm. It's just like hey, that's when we need people the most. Is yeah. because like there has to be at least ten people in the room at all times. And so from midnight to noon, it's hard to get people to a comedy show. So you're like just it's free. Come hang out. <laughs> yeah. We'll get you a wristband still because yeah, it has to be ticketed, but like it's free. Uh-huh. And then from starting at noon until midnight, it's going to be in two-hour blocks. So like noon to two, two to four, four to six, etc. And what I figured out is that I can essentially book an hour and a half to an hour and forty-five minute comedy show for each of those two two-hour blocks. And then, so if I host the noon show, I will host it, and then by like uh, one forty-five that block will be over and the host of the 2 p.m. show will come out after the last comic of the noon block Mm -hmm. and they'll host, they'll do their set until 2 p.m. So their set's going to be at least 15 minutes, but like they're not having a set time. So I build in those Mm -hmm. buffers. Like, yeah, because those things happen. So we build the buffers into the actual show itself and that way that can let us correct it. So, oh, if I scheduled you for a 2.30 slot and... Oh, someone went five minutes over, and blah, blah. we can we can buffer that out. Yeah, uh, which is also why I've one of the things is that Guinness says every comic has to do at least fifteen minutes uh, while they're on stage. Huh. They can do more, but they can't they can't do less. And if anyone does less, record attempts gone. Um, so I'm booking all twenty minute sets. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Can't, it's, so you can you can go under twenty yeah. and still be fine. So we can build buffers in that way. As be like, okay, if you if you do eighteen, we're still good. But yeah. if you do fourteen, I'm fucked. So please don't do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like I'm booking all twenty minute sets in that way. Again, you can build that buffer in. Of like you can go a little under if you mm-hmm. need to. But yeah, um, it, that's the kind of stuff I'm thinking about literally all the time right yeah. now. Yeah, no, I bet. It, uh- and so it's like, yeah, that's why I did the math. It's like, okay, if I did all twenty minute sets and blah, blah blah, and then of course from midnight to noon, you're looking at like random hour-long sets here and there and like i i you know i'm just trying to get people to help out when they can too like um garrett bus who was fantastic mm-hmm. as we mentioned a couple times he's helping out on um the production side a little bit like we're talking about flyers and figuring out how to like the work with the tech booth will fall out and figuring out ticketing and all that kind of stuff and then my girlfriend she's helped out a lot she's been doing helping with the graphic design just because like uh i am an idiot when it comes to graphic design <laughs> i i've tried making posters and go that looks terrible i'm like okay well all right <laughs> and she's done something like that's good okay great let's let's work with that so she's been helping me with that and also just being very supportive uh because i'm like hey i'm gonna be like, just not available emotionally or physically yeah. for four days straight <laughs> And she's like, I'm not happy. I'm like, that's fair, but she still supports me. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I know, it's, I know it's a lot. It's a big ask. I know. <laughs> I'm an asshole for this. I know. <laughs> Plus all the, the, the brain power you're using, you know, leading up to it. Oh, I'm going to be so stressed out. I'm going to be a nightmare to live with. And I, I, I will not blame her when she's just, you know, not having a good time with that. I'm like, hey, it's fair. I'm, I'm the nightmare right now. Please. <laughs> it's time to become uh, the Please H-E-V forgive me. Forest. Please forgive me. <laughs> best friend yeah that he can you know bring her flowers or chocolates or whatever her it's gonna be a lot of flowers yeah a lot of flowers (laughs) cooking a lot of dinners there you go there you go a lot of words of affirmation (laughs) well there's a ton more questions that i have but let's do our little intermission here um this open-ended card game which i got from uh richard our web guru Mm -hmm. uh where should we begin has been very fun so you pick a card i'll read it or you're did you read it? No, I didn't. Okay, know. all right. Huh, okay. I miss the days when I could... Dot, dot, dot. <clears throat> okay. I miss the days when I could just go to a friend's house and just be there until I left. Hmm. Like, I could just go to my buddy Austin's house after school or after work, and we would just be there 
probably until the end of the weekend. <laughs> just be there for days at a time. Yeah. And we just hang out. Uh, and I didn't have anywhere else to be. It was just me and my friends hanging out. Yeah, those days gone for most of us as adults. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I, I try and take a little trip back home whenever I can. And I actually am going uh, in February um, for a couple of days to watch Super Bowl with my friends because we have a fantasy football group. Nice. And uh, we're like, hey, let's get the group together and, and watch the Super Bowl. Like a nice little gathering. Yeah. And also, I'm like, I just miss my friends and I want oh. I want to hang out with y'all. So I'm gonna be there for three days, uh, and we're just gonna hang out. That's, That's all we're doing. Sweet. <laughs> I'm making you hang out with me because we're friends. <laughs> And you love me, and you're going to show it. <laughs> and they're letting you, right? Yeah, they are. Of course, they are. They're good friends. They are. I love my friends. <laughs> okay. Let's see uh, how I fare. All right. <clears throat> I spend too much money on... Oh, God. Starbucks? Really? Yeah. yeah. It's bad. How much? I mean, I go about once a day. Once a day, well, what are you getting? Like, is it like a an obnoxious a, six dollar drink? Six dollars a day. Yeah. What's the math on that? Six three hundred sixty-five days a year. That's a lot. And also, I know it's not always just once a day. Yeah. That's just the minimum. That's right. Yeah. So we're talking three, three max, three or four max. A day? Is that the most? It's always been just two a max. Two, two, two max. Zero? Yeah. You have more self control than I do. Really? <laughs> when I ha- when I have an addic- and when I have an addiction to something, it's like it's as frequently as I can get it. So. Yeah. So I tried to kick it. For a good healthy dose, by buy, I, we've got one of those coffee pod things. I get a, a chai. I love chai teas. Mm-hmm. And I try to do the pod versions. Mm-hmm. They just don't. They don't, they're hit, just not, they don't scratch that same no. itch? No. Well, do you want to know how much money you're spending minimum, conservatively? Sure. $2,200. Oh, my God. A year. If you're going every day for a $6 drink. Oh, God, Evan. Okay. I'm just saying... All right. That, that's that's a lot you can do around the house. Yeah. Or for your for yourself. Twenty two hundred dollars is not nothing. I know. Okay. All right, Evan. And what I'm going to tell you is that that is twenty two hundred dollars well spent because we all love something. <laughs> and if you love something, don't let it go. <laughs> that's a, a fallacy. With that term. <laughs> that's a fallacy. If you love something, let it go. Why? I don't want to. I love it. Yeah. That's how I feel, at least. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I spend too much money on Blu-rays, so I get it. Oh gosh. Yeah. Movie buff. Yeah. I. That's why I love that that damn podcast because you guys <laughs> are such movie buffs and yeah. it came through and. I I have watched so many. My fucking Letterboxd is <laughs> insane. Uh, I'm just like watching movies as often as I can. Like I watch two or three a day if I can. Wow. Uh, I end up having too many chores to do or like errands to run. I'll be at work, which really gets in the way of me watching movies. I dare I be at work. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I'll, I'll watch as many, like I watched uh, I watch a lot of Korean and Japanese cinema as well as well, American. Mm-hmm. And I just watched uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, which is uh, Park Chan Wook who did Old Boy and his new movie Decision to Leave is apparently I haven't seen it yet, but I want to. Handmaiden, that's his big movie huh. recently, really good movie. But Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is like the whole premise is like, oh yeah, it gets worse though. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah! That life is hard, and it gets worse. Oh, it's boy. way worse. And like just the whole time, you're like, nothing good is happening to any of these people. <laughs> One guy has sex, and then it goes worse again. Oh, it's horrible for it. yeah. Symp- I love what's movie. it called again? Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance it's from 2002. Okay. It's really All good. Right. My my boyfriend and I, uh, we have movie nights, mm-hmm. and because it's long distance, so we'll watch a movie. Where does he live? Uh, Los Angeles. So. Ooh, fancy California boy, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Is he part of the problem here in Austin, actually? <laughs> I don't or know. Or are you going to be part of the problem in LA? <laughs> I might be part of the, I don't know. I like my new house. I'm going to stay here yeah, for a while. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he'll have to figure that shit out. But yeah, we watch, put it I, on him. Yeah, I like to watch, you know, I think since 2019, like I really appreciate watching obscure random movies like i always try to find something uh, a foreign movie mm-hmm. uh because i i can read subtitles and still have a conversation he can't yeah. so he's always lost with the movies but there's some gem foreign movies oh, out yeah. there that we've seen absolutely like i love foreign movies i think it's like i remember when parasite won best picture people were like shitting themselves over it like there because there's some very uh nationalistic people who are like subtitles oh god and I'm just like, you know, shut up. Yeah. 
<laughs> I want you to shut the fuck up. Because the, the dad from Parasite, uh, I, I cannot remember the actor's name, um, but he is an amazing actor. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's, he's in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. He's in a, a oh. ton. He's, Memories of Murder is my favorite Bong Joon-ho movie, same guy did Parasite. My favorite movie of his is, is Memories of Murder, and he plays a detective in that, and it's so good. That oh, The host, he's great in that, another Bong Joon-ho movie. He's just a great actor all around, and um, I think... If he was an English-speaking actor, he'd be up there with, like, a Brad Pitt in terms of just popularity. Mm-hmm. Like, he, oh, every time you see him, I will see any movie that guy's in. That's yeah. how I feel about him. Right, right. If, if he's in a movie, I'm like, well, I'm watching it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, after watching Parasite, I, and I always butcher the director's name, but mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, tried to binge as many of his movies. I think I, I ended up watching three or four. Uh, Mother is probably the only one I haven't seen. Mother is really good. Yeah. That's fucked up, though. Yeah, yeah. That it, well, all of his movies have a fucked up element to that's them. That's true. Uh, Memories of Murder, especially. Have you seen that one? I don't. I don't know if I. That have. was his first big movie. Okay. It was about South Korea's first uh, serial killer. Huh. And uh, he hadn't been caught yet. Whenever it came out originally. Oh gosh. And then Criterion was doing a Blu-ray release for Memories of Murder, and they announced it. And then after the announcement, they caught the guy. Oh my god. And so there's a special feature on the Blu-ray about Urbong Junho is talking to someone else, and they're talking about like, what's it like knowing that the guy got caught? He's like, I don't, I don't. They're just talking about the actual guy versus the movie and yeah. all that. It's crazy. Wow. Um, but that movie has one. Of, I love uh, creepy atmospheres. I'm not a huge horror movie fan mm-hmm. as a whole. I've grown an appreciation for the for the genre, but like, you know, I like thrillers more than horror yeah and so i can still appreciate like creepy because of that because thrillers are often very creepy right uh i think a lot of people's first like introduction to that idea is seven when mm-hmm. like you know the head in the box it's so yeah. fucking creepy and the gluttony yeah and in memories of murder there's a scene where uh the serial killer he he targets young girls uh of course <laughs> of course <laughs> serial killer targeting young girls who, who'd heard of a such thing but there's this young girl walking in uh at night in the rain and she's like, this is fe- this field of like really tall grass, and in the field, in the rain, in the dark, you just see these eyes oh, appear like way in the distance, and it's so fucking creepy. And that scene, yeah. kind of, I was like, it just set all the alarm bells off, and I was like, I love this movie. Yeah. This, movie <laughs> this movie's fucking great. Okay, I don't think I have seen that one, so I will, I will add it. I remember the one that is most well. There's two that I I remember very vividly. The one where it's like the the creatures start taking over, mm-hmm. and everybody's living in a bridge or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not really good with names. Uh, and then the other one was it was centered around the 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 apartment building and there was a missing dog at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, barking dogs don't bite. Something, something, something like that. that. Yeah. 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 Uh, Snowpiercer was the other one. No. Oh yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Well, he did Snowpiercer. I did well. see Snowpiercer, yeah. but no, the other one is, um, oh, I don't know. We're so off topic. We're so <laughs> off topic. But I actually wanted to talk about how we had just recently seen Scarface. My, my son and I just saw Scarface. What a controversial movie and, that I have a lot of mixed opinions on. <laughs> and I was just stunned because I was looking at the, the, the background on it that it, had, it didn't win any Oscar. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it stands up. Like, and it's, there's so many tropes from mm-hmm. it. It's, I mean, which have I've you, always known. Have, but, you known. have you heard uh, John Mulaney's joke about Scarface? Uh-uh. Where he goes, uh... I goes, uh, I love when people compare Scarface to other better movies. Like, oh, my favorite movies are Scarface and The Godfather. He's like, oh, yeah? Well, my favorite foods are lobster and Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, let's redirect. All right. Comedy. Let's get back into it. 96 hours. Yeah. Um, what, are the, what are the dates for this? this May massive? 24th at 8 p.m. we're starting. And mathematically, that means we're ending on Sunday, May 28th at 8 p.m. Whew. Yeah. And if it goes well, maybe we'll do it again at 97 hours yeah. next year. And then 98 yeah. and 99. <laughs> Just add an hour at the beginning or end each year. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Right. And you're still in your, your submission period. We are, yeah. Um, I'm going to be taking submissions probably through uh, March. I want to get... If anyone's from out of town, I want to get them approved as quickly as possible because I know making travel arrangements is very difficult. Yeah. And especially, you know, May's coming up pretty quickly. Yeah. So for Austin Comics, if you're local or if you don't mind the drive kind of last minute, we're, we're taking submissions basically the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're from out of town, please submit 
as soon as possible so that I can like review your submission and get you approved or not because I know making travel arrangements can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. So like I have a guy from New York who submitted. I'm like, I need to get some more. I have to have enough submissions to start approving people to start scheduling things yeah. because I would love to just approve you outright. Great. Uh, but if the festival doesn't happen because not enough people submit, yeah, I cancel those travel arrangements. Yeah. So it, it's a, it's a <laughs> you know, I got to have enough submissions as a whole, but then still take submissions and start, start letting people that they're in or not. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And this is this Memorial Day weekend? It is, okay. yeah. This is, right. I, I plan that because, uh, you know, people having the Monday off yeah. uh, means that, you know, you can be out on a Sunday night and not feel as bad about it. Right, right, right. And at Fallout? At Fallout Theater, yep. They've been, uh, they were really excited when I brought the idea to them. That's uh, nice. Well, Mason was really excited when I brought the idea to him. <laughs> Robert Segovia is very hesitant. Oh, boy. <laughs> I talked to him in, in the green room one time I, the, the show came up and he goes yeah every time I hear this my hands just getting sweaty <laughs> and uh, yeah Brendan and Duncan at Sure Thing like, we, I've talked to them about it and uh, we're going to be doing a Sure Thing block of, during the show because we don't want to cancel you know we don't want to cancel the shows yeah. outright but yeah so I'll be working with them on, on their little portion of the show as well so mm-hmm. we're trying to work hand in hand with as many people as we can to, to get this whole thing as smooth as possible yeah, that's true. You do have to do coordination because they have improv shows. I mean, those are canceled. Fright- oh boy, those are canceled forever. Oh, I actually called it. Oh, Fallout Evan. is a is a stand up only now. Oh no, sorry. Oh, that's the way it goes. Well. Sketch, dumb, <laughs> hate it. Get out of here. Improv, I don't think so. <laughs> you weirdos, get out of here. Takes here. <laughs> we don't like controversy. As here someone who runs, I, I, t- I run an improv show. <laughs> Critical hits an improv show. I don't know if people know that's that. True. That's true. <laughs> Technically, that is correct. Also, fun fact, I can't do critical hit during the festival either. Because I, I, it, it has to be straight to, stand-up. I, so originally, in the guidelines, it said uh, they defined stand-up as one person on stage at a time holding a microphone and telling jokes. And I said, what about double acts? Like the McEwens, for instance. Yeah. Or, you know, Sklar Brothers. If, you know, and I had to submit a inquiry. It's like, what can we get? And they actually responded like a month later. They go, okay, we've redefined it to be one act on stage at a time. Uh, okay. So if you are a double act, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did have to clarify that with Guinness. Can it be musical comedy? Yes, uh, it can be musical stand-up. Mm-hmm. So like Bo Burnham, early Bo Burnham would, would count. Yeah. Um, Dimitri Martin would count. But anything that is primarily like a musical, I would say does not count. Yeah. I have to be. I have to be extra cautious. Uh, Vanilla Presley, for instance, I would say probably counts. Because they're just, they're, they're kind of joking around while they're rapping on stage. Yeah. Uh, but one of the guidelines is also there can't be longer than one minute without the person on stage speaking. Yeah, I know, they're wow. very strict. So no one can just be up there and just standing there for an hour. And that's, you're, no, you got to be talking the whole time. You don't have to be funny. Because yeah. stand-up is a risk. <laughs> but you can just be talking. So like, yeah, musical acts sometimes that the setup can take longer than a minute uh-huh. sometimes. So you got to be very cautious with that. So we're trying to keep it as minimal as possible to that just to to keep it easy and uh keep it um flowing naturally as well so uh crowd work yeah that's fine okay yeah i mean the uh they'll they don't say anything about like whether or not it's funny because you know you can tell a joke and people don't like it yeah you didn't not tell a joke you know or you can tell a story and it not be funny Mm -hmm. but like it's not up to them to decide whether or not you were trying to be funny yeah I could tell a story about me getting mugged, and if people don't think it's funny, I'm like that's on you. It's not. I thought it was funny, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they are also pretty strict. Like it, two comedians cannot tell the same joke. Oh my gosh. Uh, so I have to be pretty cautious about like any similar jokes. Be aware. Yeah. Uh, and that's also why we have uh, record keepers the entire time. We have to have volunteer people taking notes uh, the entire show. Uh, which I'm also taking submissions for. It's on. It's in the same link on my bio. Uh, we got a couple of those already. Thank you so much to those who submitted. Uh, those will be working in four-hour shifts, two at a time. So we need at least like twelve to twenty of those. Yeah. And um, yeah, they have to be keeping track of like how long someone's been on stage, how long before someone walked on stage, and you know, a, a minute of silence happened here, and very detailed notes. Yeah. I'm, I'll be providing notebooks and pens and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, stopwatches as well. <laughs> we'll have lots of stopwatches. Oh my god! We have to have a big digital clock uh, doing the time on stage, visible of a camera, because we have to have video evidence of this happening. Um, we will be live streaming it, but I think we'll be closing the live stream uh, to be private 
um, just to prevent people from just watching that and yeah. that being their experience with it. Because when people to be there, mm-hmm. they have to be in the room. Views on the Twitch stream don't count as people being in the room. Um, but yeah, so it, it's a very in-depth setup guide that I have to follow. Yeah. Um, Where else do you need help besides the record keepers, the stand-ups? I am tr- I'm, right now we're working with Fallout to figure out ticketing because it's difficult to figure out. Because even just a regular festival, like Moon Tower, for instance, there's different shows at different venues. You yeah. can get a ticket to just that show. Right. You know, you can get a, t- a weekend pass for the entire thing, and you have a silver badge. You walk right in, go yeah. wherever you want to go. That's not as easy with this because it's all one venue, and there's no turnover time. We can't have a time like, okay, that show's over. We'll be back come in out, in back. an hour. Yeah, no, we have to. That's part of the hosting sets that I talked about earlier. Is hey, by the way, you have the worst sets. So if anyone's hosting, which I have a, a question on the form, like, will you be willing to host it? If you have a hosting set, you are going to be guaranteed to have another set somewhere else that's not a hosting set because you're getting the set where it's like, hey, during your set, some people are leaving and some people are coming in and we're getting everything resettled. So you just have to be the person on stage talking during the turnover of the audience, essentially. And if you're entertaining, that's great. But yeah, so right now I'm trying to get the ticket link set up for, uh, we're going to do a couple VIP passes for essentially a weekend pass, come and go as you please kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That'll probably be around 250 bucks for the weekend pass. Um, we have a set number of those. We're trying to sell those as quickly as possible and use that money to finance some of the equipment. Yeah. That's what we're doing right now is just working on that. In terms of what we need help with, um, I really just need help with people submitting. I need volunteer submissions. I need comic submissions. Uh, so I'm printing out some posters for the green rooms around town. Like, Hey, scan this QR code. It'll take you to the link to submit to the page. And it's really all I need is just word getting out, making sure people know about it and mm-hmm. are interested in it. And uh, I'm also happy to, if anyone has any questions, I'm also happy to answer questions all day, every day on my Facebook <laughs> Messenger. I'm around. Inst- Instagram DMs, hit me up. Yeah. I'll answer your questions. I'll let you know what's going on. I'll let you know if you're able to do it or not. Uh, I think once we have everyone signed up and once we have tickets sold, everything else from that point on is going to be relatively easy. Sure it is, Evan. Comparatively speaking. <laughs> But, like, I can't put on a festival with no comics. Yeah. You kind of do need that. Yeah. That's the hardest part is, like, hey, comics, sign up. (laughs) Please, for the love of God. That's what I came on here to do is just yell, sign up. (laughs) Originally, it was going to be an hour of me just saying, sign up. Please, sign up. (laughs) Please, sign up. Also, if anyone has any voice acting gigs, I'd love to do that. Or acting gigs. I'm an actor also. I haven't. I'm out of practice, but I'd, I'd love uh-huh. to do it. Just promoting myself. <laughs> That's what this is for. I know. <laughs> All right. So when the festival is over. Yes. What's the process after that? How long do you have to put all the paperwork together and submit? And- I can submit at any time. Uh, basically, Guinness says, you're approved for the record. Let us know when you're ready to submit it. So wow. once I compile all the evidence, I'm hoping to have all the evidence compiled before a week is out. Um, just making sure everything's organized and filed away properly. Yeah. Once I submit, who knows how long it takes because I did not pay for Guinness Pro, which is a thing they do, but you can uh-huh. pay basically for VIP access. So they'll um, give priority. Your, yeah, yeah, they'll expedite your thing, prioritize your record keeping, and stuff like that. Um, I also talked to someone from the Nashville attempt, and they said, yeah, we had to like fly someone out from Guinness to like monitor it sometimes, and allegedly that person only verified up to a certain number of hours. They didn't verify the entire... The, the entire oh. attempt that people in Nashville did was hundreds of hours. They did like a whole week of shows. Huh. But they actually only got approved for like 81 hours of the attempt. And uh, I think that's because like the Guinness person got there around the 82-hour mark. And that's what, what they approved up to, which was crazy. I didn't. I don't understand how that happened. Yeah. But that's just what they told me. And so I don't want to have to do that <laughs> if I can avoid it. But we'll see if I submit this and they... Don't improve it. Well, then we'll try again at ninety-seven hours the next year, and we'll uh, we'll see if we can maybe get that going too. Yeah. At that point, we'll have all the equipment bought, so <laughs> we can just that cost is out the window. And you'll have one years of experience, and yeah. you'll know you know where to make things go. But who knows? Or... Once I submit the evidence, if it's approved, it could it could take months before they actually get the approval. Um, and then they'll send me a certificate, and we can hang it up at Fallout <laughs> and be like, record broken here. Yeah. Cool. That's a big selling point also to the venue. I was like, you want your name attached to a world record? Yeah. 
Also, people at Moon Tower, I'd love to work with you on this. Yeah. <laughs> if we can do it in tandem, that would make everything, everything so much easier. <laughs> right. Really, honestly, my whole thing is I want sponsors to help because put your name on there. Love to promote you. Mm-hmm. Love to help with money and costs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I would love to work with anyone who, like, you know, like the Moon Tower people, I, I really respect what Moon Tower does. And I think, like, a, like a baby brother festival happening almost concurrently. Like, and at the same time, Moon Tower, this show is happening at yeah. all times, too. And, like, yeah, just basic stuff like that. I mean, I say basic, but uh, just stuff like that is what, what I really am looking for in the, in the long run. And if this is successful, then, like, you know, it's hard to get sponsors on a first-year festival, but if it's successful, we broke a world record. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe that catches people's attention, and now, like, a larger company in town might be like, we're willing to, to sponsor that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. A lot of the planning is even, like, having to be, like, if it's successful in year two, we can do this. You know, or, hey, if we can work with so-and-so, that'll get us access to this and that, you know? So a lot of it's hypothetical, and I'm just trying to stay as low to the ground as possible and be like, bare bones, what I can get done is if we have all the comics, we can at least just do the show. Worst case scenario. So we just need the comics. Yeah. We just need to compile the evidence. Worst case. And if we can launch that into an even more successful festival, like legitimately with like big headliners and things like that. That's great. Yeah. But right now it's just like, can I get the number of people required to actually get this going in, in a meaningful way? Yeah. And back from your days uh, in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. you know, you had, you had some big names that I did. Um, so maybe yeah, I worked with a lot of, them. I've, I've spoken with a couple uh, people briefly about it. Um, I did I, one specific headliner of mine who I've, I spoke to pretty extensively about this one night at uh, Buzzmill when he was in town, and he's very interested. He was very interested at then, but that was like back in September, and uh, he was on board. But it can be very difficult with like without money. <laughs> yeah, I'm. This right. is all like financed basically out of pocket, um, and luckily cost is pretty low until like yeah, if we can start selling tickets, then we can start actually using that money. But right now, everything I'm doing is free. Uh, everything I'm doing is like you know Google Forms are free. You know things like that. Uh, and once I, if I actually have like a budget and money, then yeah, we can get headliners and we can get, you know, better sponsorship deals and we can get better access to all this equipment and we can get better access to actually getting someone from Guinness to be out here and we can get better access to actually like, you know, just better stuff. Everything is easier with money. I've, I've learned. Yes. And the more you have, the better life is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's very difficult to reach out to headliners and be like, Hey, can you do the festival? They go, sure. Because also, again, it's January right now, almost February. May is pretty last minute for headliners. Um, so a lot of that's like, are you available for this? Yes or no? Cool. Uh, what can I pay you? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> it's it's kind of almost embarrassing. As, as someone who did have a lot of headliners coming through, I financed all of my shows in Baton Rouge out of pocket as well. And I've known for years how embarrassing it is to not know what to pay people, yeah. not know how to pay people, uh, to agree to a certain amount of payment and then for months not know, how am I going to pay this person? Oh, shit. And have to like kind of like find money and go, I hope we sell out this show because if we don't, yeah. I'm fucked. Yeah. Uh, like that happened a couple times in Baton Rouge where like I booked a headliner and it wasn't going well. Mm. And so I had to kind of like ask for money around and that sucks. So I'm, I'm very familiar and I'm trying to avoid those situations as sure. much as possible so right now headliners have become kind of a lesser priority even though that would also then help sell tickets yeah it's like a re- yeah. really weird yeah. like well to sell tickets we can pay headliners but we can't sell tickets without headliners but we can't get headliners without right. selling tickets yeah it's that's where the stress comes in it's yeah. like i need money to make it as good as possible uh but money's hard to come by until it's already good yeah. essentially but it's a cool concept. It's and a really it's, cool concept. Yeah. And this is where I, I think a lot of my – any bitterness I have in comedy, which I do have some. I think every comic has some somewhere. Any bitterness I have is I think I can do a lot of really cool things, a lot of really good things. All I need is the opportunity. Mm-hmm. All I need is the access. If I had the money for XYZ, I think I could do the best version of that as, as I could. If I had the opportunity to do this or that, I think I'd be excellent at it. But, you know, I don't have the opportunity. And that's just the only source of bitterness I have is I think I could do all these things. I just need the chance. Mm -hmm. 
and chance is very hard to come by in comedy. Yep. So that's why people make their own. That's why I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make my own chance by just saying, "Fuck it, I'm gonna try this thing," and it might fail. Uh, you might, I might have to hit you up in like a month ago. We had to postpone. Can you please take that episode down? We had to cancel it because things oh, didn't go well. No, I don't want to. Or, yeah, but I'm I'm also realistic. You know, there's always a chance that it fails. Um, but I have to just bite the bullet and say I'm, I'm doing it. I'm I'm trying this thing, and. You've had the idea seven years. I've had the idea for a long time. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm sick of waiting. For, I'm, I'm sick of doing the thing where I'm like, yeah, you know, that'll happen one day. Yeah. When, is, when, when is one day? Yeah. At least now, if it fails, I tried it you and tried. I know what I did wrong. I can try again with more knowledge. Mm-hmm. Or I can try again with, with like, okay, I know who to talk to to get that done this time, you know? Or I know, okay, I got really last minute last time. I knew I need to get all this done. Uh, this early as opposed to when I was doing it before. Like, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And you're you're gaining so much knowledge even if you were to say, I'm just going to do a put-together three-day festival Mm -hmm. and it's going to be, it's going to be stand-up, it's going to be that dreaded improv, it's going to be sketch. You know, you're you're building a lot of skills is, for yourself yeah and that's also why I would, I would love to work in tandem with an existing festival because i don't want to i don't want to austin has a lot of comedy festivals it really mm-hmm. does altercation and moon tower and you know we have i came and list all of them tons of them yeah and i don't want to be like just another name in that crowd i would love to work in tandem with another festival not even just because it's easier but because like i think 96 hour fest less I think it stands less on its own as its own thing. I think it would genuinely just work better as part of. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Moon Tower Comedy Festival, all these big names, all these shows happening. And during all of that, there is this thing happening at all times. And because of Moon Tower and how crazy that is, oh, man, you can't make it to that headliner show and this show that you also want to see. Yeah. Well. Go to this show happening. There's always people dropping in because everyone on this festival is qualified to be on this festival. Mm-hmm. And they're happening at the same time. And like like when I did the Nashville show, like Nate Bargatze just dropped in. <laughs> just, yeah, m- you know, midnight. He just showed up. Wow. He's like, yeah, I got, I got done over at my other show. <laughs> and I just wanted to just, I just came by. And they go, oh, do a set. He's like, okay. And he just did a set. <laughs> Hannibal Burris, same thing. Like, like you just, that's the kind of thing that can happen with a, at yeah. the same time, the situation. Right. Uh, right. I think it works better that way, quite frankly, as yeah. like a sister show or a concurrent show. Mm-hmm. And I think the resources of a larger festival help make it like, like a barnacle, essentially. I, I, I rather, I would honestly just rather be a barnacle on <laughs> the whale of a bigger show. The title. Than trying, <laughs> than trying to like occupy another space. Barnacle, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because again, if this was in Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge didn't have a single fucking comedy festival. This could mm. be a standalone comedy festival by itself at a you know certain venue. And but Austin's bloated. It yeah. just is not in a bad way. Even just like oh, there's a lot of stuff already happening. I don't think I want to stand out as my own pillar. Like oh, you thought altercation was good? Come like no, I love altercation. It's a great festival. Oh, you thought you could go to this thing at Creek? Well, you can. But we can <laughs> we can do all these things. I'm not trying to be better than them. I'm trying to work with them. So, yeah, I think that's that's my long-term goal is to work with these people, work with these shows, work with these festivals. And uh, I just want to do a cool thing. And I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah. That's the easiest way to do it. That's the most productive way to do it is to work with people as opposed to try and be like the pioneer out in the Wild West of, you know, doing your own thing and making your own way. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm making my own way in, in a, in a certain context, but I'm also just trying to do the best I can. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Evan, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want people to know? Uh, I, I'm, I'm getting more active on TikTok. You can follow me there. Uh, <laughs> I like making silly little videos. Uh, I, I do post a lot on Letterboxd. Follow me there if you're into movie reviews because I, I, I get both in-depth and silly with them. Hmm. Uh, I just like talking to... I, just, I like talking about movies. I like talking about video games. I like talking about anime and mm-hmm. the, all kinds of weird nerd shit. D&D, obviously. <laughs> I just want people to come see my shit. That's all I want. I just, mm-hmm. I just want people who have the same interests as me to know like, hey, I am funny and we have the same interests 
check me out. Makes sense. Follow me on the stuff. Yeah. Come see my shows and be cool about it. Okay. Evan. Yes. Uh, I have a thing where I ask uh, one word to describe your past and one word to describe your future. Okay. And unless you really need to, I, I, we don't need to revisit the password, but your future word in 2019, I don't know if you can read it from all the way over here. What was my password? Your password was average, which is really ironic. That's very funny. Yeah. Your, your, your future word was lackadaisical. Would oh, you like yeah. to revisit? Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would like to visit that. I'm trying to be less of that. <laughs> Being lackadaisical, let me just tell the fine folks at home, it bit me in the ass real hard. <laughs> 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 I regret that. Imme- I regret it immensely. I should not be lackadaisical. Um, yeah, so I think one word to describe my future would be um, ambitious. That, that website's out of date, by the way. I'll just scratch that out. Oh, yeah. yeah I'll I, just get yeah. rid of that. Just scratch that one. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I have a process after anyway. I know. It's from like 2018. Uh, I was trying to uh, send the, the, the vibe of uh, record-breaking the future word. <laughs> That's two words. Oh, well, it's hyphenated. So that is what it is. <laughs> well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham! Presents Evan Rabelais our second visit. Tell us where we can find you on social media and your upcoming big project. Uh, all of my social media is uh, my name at Evan Rabelais, but spelled phonetically because my last <laughs> name is hard to spell sometimes. So it's uh, Evan, E-V-A-N-R-A-B-U-H-L-A-Y, Evan Rabelais. Uh, that's, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, I think, is that. Letterboxd, I think, is just Evan Rabelais. I'm fixing that, too. But yeah, just look up Evan Rabelais, spelled that way, and you'll find it all. And also, if you find one of those, like my Instagram, I have a link tree in my bio that will link all my other social media sites. So that's where you can Ooh. find me. And it also includes the Google Submission forms. form. Yeah, submission, <laughs> the submission form is Tickets to Critical Hit. That's on that link as well. You can, you can take us to Critical Hit. Yeah. Uh, first Wednesday of every month, we play a tabletop RPG as a comedy show, and it's very silly and stupid. And you don't have to know shit about... RPGs, it's fine. I barely know shit about RPGs, too. <laughs> and my comedian friends never know shit about RPGs. So it's very beginner-friendly, but also veteran-friendly, because I have a lot of veterans who are like, I love D&D, and I love this show. And I'm like, thank you. Nice. <laughs> that means the world to me. Nice. Happy medium. We hope you've enjoyed learning about how Evan got to be the comedic genius you heard today just as much as I have. <laughs> comedic genius. <laughs> this- Did I write that? <laughs> <laughs> This has been Comedy Wham! Presents Evan Rabelais. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Evan. Thank you.